Do you like wrestling trivia? Then check out the five-star match game, the Pro Wrestling Quiz Show. I'm Joe Gagney, and every episode, I grill three contestants with five rounds of power-packed wrestling trivia. We have over 30 evergreen episodes in the archives covering WWE, AEW, Japan, Mexico, and much, 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 much more. Play along at home and check it out today. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. like professional wrestling well we like professional wrestling too this is shake them ropes i am jeff hawkins returning from his suspension of one week chris novembrino chris i hope you've learned your lesson i'll, I'll never change i i reject the court system and their fake courts oh and the, the entire appeals process was also bunk and so was the punitive process Those i hope you're ashamed of yourself and Honestly, with regards to the listeners, uh, there was a lack of support for your boy that was a bit crushing uh, in my darkest hour. So everyone from the co-host on downward ought to be ashamed of yourselves. I'm, for I'm, what sor- you I'm sorry, sir. This is not the time for a monologue. I was just asking if you had learned your lesson. That's a yes no, yes. no. I, have you have you learned anything from what you did to me? Yes. Yeah. Do it, do it harder. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Chris, those of you watching on Voices of Wrestling, Chris very much looking like Richard Edson from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It's- oh boy, oh boy! So we're, we're already we're already starting off with the mustache jokes, huh? Uh, are we going to talk about me tying someone to the railroad tracks at some point, or perhaps directing plays that I write in iambic pentameter, or are we going to talk about me potentially being the front man for the band Queen? Oh, uh, no, I won't go where, where, where does it stop, Jeff? Where does it stop? It hasn't quite started yet, to be honest mm. with you. <laughs> I don't know, but the toxicity, you can you can smell the toxicity looming in the distance. I have a brand. <laughs> oh, well, so let's see what happened this week, shall we? Mm. Vince McMahon, out of creative, Ari Emanuel making the move, reading from the Wrestling Observer. Uh, after the merger, uh, when CNBC interviewed McMahon and Emmanuel, uh, Emmanuel said that McMahon would remain in charge of WWE. When asked specifically if there was a disagreement between the two of them, what would happen? Emmanuel said that if there was a disagreement, they would do what McMahon wanted as it pertained to wrestling. But it was only a few weeks into the new company being finalized last month. And Emmanuel has now made this move of removing McMahon from the creative side. Between that and his quote last week regarding the reasons for the decline of TKO stock, and Emmanuel mentioning McMahon's name, this becomes a very interesting situation. Here's the interesting situation, according to Dave. McMahon's name was mentioned largely because of an SEC filing in which McMahon, as part of the merger deal, has the right to sell his stock immediately. Unlike other major stakeholders such as Endeavor or Silver Lake, which can't do so due to a lockup period. 
wasn't so much the idea that McMahon was with the company that the stock price is down, but the fact that McMahon does have the right to sell his 16.4% of the company and flooding that stock onto the market could drive the price down. Manuel felt that knowledge was reason number three for the stock price being down behind the SmackDown rights fees coming in low and the Saudi Arabian government backing the UFC rival PFL. Uh, I think this is only a positive for WWE that Vince is out and you can see it on the TV right now with people like Johnny Gargano being able to come back and wrestle. Cameron Grimes is on TV, even though he's not being used all that much, but you might be able to see some smaller guys and people that, uh, that uh, Vince normally wouldn't use on TV. Chris, initial thoughts before we dive deeper. Okay, obviously it's great that Vince is out of creative. You name smaller guys, though. The first person who comes to my mind who is a big winner here is Carmelo Hayes because I adore him, and I like what they're doing with Trick Williams and Carmelo. The dynamic is on balance really good, and – for this to work on the main roster, there has to be confidence in the Carmelo side of that equation. And Vince would never have that confidence, which is why it's very good for Carmelo Hayes. Um, With regards to Vince's ability to flood the market on the stock side, that feels frankly like the second reason. It's a thing that they have been aware of and it annoyed them. But mostly they were going to see how this went with Vince first before they made any brash decisions. And they saw how things were going with Vince and they didn't like what they were seeing. Here's what I think happened is that Ari went to Nick Khan and says, what do you think of the new guy? Can he handle it? Yes. Okay. Get rid of the old guy. Pretty much part and parcel. That's what I think. And I think, okay, what do the people think of, you know, him running things versus Vince running things. And it's like, well, you know, it's much looser environment when, when triple H is running things, et cetera, et cetera. It's more collaborative. Um, I'll tell you who I think the big winner here is, is uh, one artist formerly known as Sasha Banks, because I think Sasha Banks is going to return to the WWE. I don't think she's going to appear for AEW. Um, I have not heard whether or not there has been pen put to paper despite her appearing on uh, All In or All Out. I always get those two mixed up, but whichever one was in, in London. Um, it's pretty much known, I think, um, at least in the underground Slack chats that I've been in, that Vince is the one real blocker keeping her from going back. Uh also in said channels uh, are some rumblings that, uh, and she has friends in AEW, that she may not be as high on AEW as some people may think. Uh, you know, she likes doing her stardom stuff. She likes uh, or, or her uh, Joshi stuff. She likes the ability to go to Japan. She likes her freedom that way, and AEW would give her that. But eventually, she The week-to-week week of AEW would be a challenge for her. Like what's she going to do? Have matches against Sheeta over and over again. I'd be there for that, but really, I mean, why would I'm not, come- I'm not saying they'd be bad the first time. It's just, we've seen what happens with the, yeah. AEW does one women's match on each show a week. You compare that to what they've been doing on raw SmackDown and NXT. Even if it's not good, even, even if you're getting green as grass recruits doing 
elementary matches on NXT as part of this uh, part of this tournament that they have. It still went more women on TV than Tony Khan gets in a two-hour show on Wednesday. And I think that would be a big part, too. I think the you know the other departure with Vince means it bodes well for characterization. Yes. Um for for newer characters especially like uh Lola Vice, they haven't really set in stone who she is but you know with without a Vince presence, you could imagine, you know, all of these people becoming a little bit more multidimensional rather than just, you know, the Vince stereotype sort of characters that he likes to, you know, get into. Yeah. And not even like racial stereotypes, it's just like stereotypes of people broadly speaking. You're the you're the vain petty one. Uh you're <laughs> you're the money guy. You like money and cars. Uh you're you're uh the angry guy. You you're so angry all the time, but it's like your power, but it's your weakness, like too. You're dead. You're a dead guy. You're you're actually you're not you come back to life in the middle of the match, <laughs> but mostly you're dead. Look, I'll I'll take that over. So you're the short guy. <laughs> We're gonna call you uh, uh, Tiny C or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> shorty, shorty, shorty G. G. Yeah. <laughs> Your character is that you're, you're short, short, and being short is a thing that you think about a lot because T- Tiny you're short. C would be Tiny C would be Carmelo Hayes on the yeah, main yeah. roster. Oh my god! <laughs> but it's also a penis joke. See what we did there. <laughs> That'll uh, be your that'll be your character. Overcome that creative uh, Carmelo. Yeah. Oh yeah. Tiny C comes out, he does raps to like MC Hammer Beats circa 1991. And he has to somehow overcome that. And he's emasculated in every match. Every match. Every match, yes. Oh no, actually his theme song is just a knockoff of Can't Touch This. And he comes out and does do like the the full the parachute dance. pants thing. Yeah, and parachute the pants thing. everything. Oh yeah. And yeah. hair haircut into the fade like hammer. <laughs> oh my god, we need to stop doing this. They may steal our ideas. Uh you never know. Vince may come back someday. Hey, I heard this on this podcast once. <laughs> he makes a side promotion just with our worst ideas turned into actual angles. And they work. And everybody's yeah. like, this is your fault, Hawkins and Novembrino. It's like, oh no, what did we do now? The NWA. We uh Warren and I clowned on this last week, you know, because there was rumors that they had gotten a top 25 uh television uh network uh to give them a deal. And we we're like Tyrus on Fox Business is definitely getting the NWA on TV, but no, they have signed a deal with the CW. Two television deals, as a matter of fact, uh, according to Nick Houseman of Wrestling Inc. Houseman says that NWA Power would be on the network along with an NWA reality show. This would put the shows in more potential homes than any wrestling or MMA show other than SmackDown on Fox, which, as Dave notes, is a relationship that will end in one year. Why? Because Fox is stupid. However, <laughs> he adds to know, however, even with an expanded reach over all cable stations, CW was number 25 in total viewers among the 159 ranked stations with a primetime average of 574,000 viewers during 2022. In 18 to 49, it was number 29 with an average primetime rating of 0. 0.10. Is this going to help the NWA? Because I can't see it. CW has has like LIV golf, ACC football, which stinks because I'm a fan of ACC football. 
it's canceled most of its DC shows that it that was really keeping the network afloat, like the Flash and Green and and Arrow and Supergirl and things of that nature. I don't know. TV is TV, and land, and and real estate is real estate on the on the uh, network television shelf. So it'll help NWA power in that respect, in that more than four people will be watching this at any time. I mean, it's better than the YouTube situation. Like that's that's yes. the best thing I can possibly say about yeah. it. Um, outside of that, I you know, it may give them better access than uh, <laughs> this. This is not meant to be a pun. Access does for impact. Yeah. I, I th- isn't the CW generally available in like the most basic uh, TV yes. packages? Yes. Yeah. It's, 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 it's the equivalent of the old UHF. Pretty much. I, I, I kind of think that that's not a bad place to be in this, in, in just in the sense that like the SmackDown pe- was on the CW at one point when it launched, wasn't it? Or am I thinking, uh, UPN, UPN and CW, still UPN, and then yeah. they merge or what? Yeah, some then they became crap like the that. CW. Yeah. yeah, UPN and the WB merged to become the CW, right? The WWWB. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, Michigan J Frog. Why don't they use that character stay, anymore? Stay whatever, for, whatever happened to Michigan? J-Frog? Stay tuned for Pigsty and Homeboys from Outer Space next on the WB. Yes. <laughs> uh. As first reported by the LA Times, Roman Reigns will defend the undisputed WWE Universal Championship against LA Knight at Crown Jewel in Saudi Arabia on November 5th. Good for LA Knight. Dude is out kicking his coverage in every possible way. And I know that there, you know, a lot of the purists over in the VOW neighborhoods and fan bases are like, well, he can't wrestle. Doesn't matter. This is the this is the biggest card he will ever headline in his life, and you got to be excited for a guy who just kept on grinding, even if it was on the aforementioned NWA Power, you know, and 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 you know, was made a male model by Vince McMahon, et cetera, et cetera. Now he's getting his chance at the big time. I can't fault the guy. Go get paid. I think his story is pretty incredible, personally. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, he, he's, I, he's over forty, I believe, too, or he's thirty-nine yeah, around that. It's, yeah. it's up, I think it's awesome. He has worked his ass off to get to this place. He took every opportunity along the way, and just kept refining the character and refining the character. He's had a vision for what the Eli, uh, Eli Drake, right? Who's yeah, Eli? it was Eli Drake originally. Yeah, it was, yeah, like he knew what this Eli Drake energy was all about back on NWA fairly early on in that show. And then he kept that going on TNA. Finally got over to, uh, finally got over to WWE and overcame the maximum male models crap, oh, which should Max have Dupree. He was Max Dupree. Like, I mean, they gave him just the worst gimmick. And they were and, and they were undercutting the gimmick with Maxine. Yeah. Too, at the same time. They weren't even pushing him. They were pushing the female at the, his expense. Uh, I mean, and despite all that, he got back to being his original character, which is no small feat. But then he got his original character over like just insane. Yeah. And I, people, I, I, people I, love this character. And, I want to pinpoint where that happened. And I'm not quite sure where it happened. To be honest with you. I, no, I, and it was, it was fast too. I, that's the one thing I do remember is that like, there was like, maybe it was during like a little stint where I was paying less attention than usual. People were like starting to say like, 
his tagline a bunch. And I was like, huh, why? And then I realized, like, next time I popped on, like, WWE television, I'm like, this guy is over like Rover. You I mean, see kids going around going, yeah, after yeah. everything. And you're like, what the, what, what is going on here? What is happening? And, you know, and then you just feel old and out of it. Like, <laughs> you know, because yeah, SmackDown tends to be on, at least on our, you know, less than uh, optimal watch list because we usually tape on Fridays around the weekend. So we usually don't have time to watch it before we get there. And it's not that we're giving it short shrift. It's just that there's way too much wrestling on kids. Um, Jeff, give me a moment here. I have to uh, tend to my cat has uh, is presenting me with, with a present. He has killed the grasshopper. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to throw this away. I'm, right. I'm quick. pausing for right now. Come back. And we're back after uh, after a burial. Um, yeah. Uh, I want to just say about that grasshopper that he didn't. We actually don't know how long he lived, but he was part of a circle of life. And all right, all right enough of this. No, he he was all, <laughs> it was a gift from my beloved cat to me, and I appreciate that my cat loves me so much that he would do such a thing. What a good boy. I've and a good it. grasshopper. No, le- no, I'm not going through this. No, <laughs> no okay, uh, okay. <laughs> It was a burial at sea. Um, as seen on this Wednesday's AEW Dynamite, Sting has announced that he will be retiring after next year's AEW Revolution. Uh, should give enough time because in related news, Darby Allen broke his shoulder blade doing some skateboarding stuff this week, and I figure that's going to be his last match, but who knows at this point. But uh, yeah, Sting, uh, Sting... He rambled a bit. He got to the point eventually, but yeah, Sting will uh, promises. We'll see that he's retiring after next year's AEW Revolution, and uh, I gotta say, his AEW run has far surpassed any expectations I had of it. It's been so good. Yes, Uh, I was actually thinking about like kind of his whole career and everything as he was given that retirement speech. I mean, and if that was a, if that ends up being a fake out retirement speech, it'll be up there with Mark Henry's uh, and the salmon suit back in the day for me, because like, I don't know. I, I, I was thinking about how this guy has managed to have so many different acts in his career. And just kind of when you thought sting was finished or that like you had sort of seen what sting was, you know, like TNA Sting was kind of um, depressing to watch, right? He came back and had that great run in WWE and had that awesome match with Seth Rollins. Then when... I WWE... actually thought Crow Sting was going to be the death knell of his career. I did. I thought that was stupid. People cheer him too much. He'll never get over. Yeah. Why was I wrong? I, I mean, he just... He's always been full of surprises. And then this AEW run kind of with very limited qualifications uh hardcore legend his stuff his stuff in aew has just been always enjoyable i I like you know i i'm hard pressed to think of a unenjoyable sting match like you know he gets in these multi-mans they cover him up nicely but every time he does his thing it's awesome he jumps then, off of something high every single time, too. It's just it, amazing watching this guy do this stuff. I love it. I love it. And, yeah, no, it, it all works for me. And, and even, like, the in-ring offense and stuff, you know, it's not, like, the best he's ever been or whatever. But, like, 
it's always been passable work. Oh yeah. His psychology's always been there. I, I just he's he's a really enjoyable like legend of wrestling. It was very funny during that with that whole speech though when he brought up Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I don't <laughs> boo, like, but then then he brings up Ric Flair immediately after and no qualifications on Ric Flair. And I'm just like, huh, you know, guys, if you're booing Hulk Hogan, I know Flair's a better wrestler, but hmm. Flair also doesn't have video of him saying the N-word over and over. Yeah, but like Flair's got some pretty nasty. Oh, he has, some, he has a lot of problematic. Yeah, he's stuff. got a lot of problematic allegations. I am not absolving Rick Flair at all of anything he's ever done or any treatment he's made of other people. I'm just saying the Hulk Hogan stuff far more well known. Yes, uh, the and the more damning stuff involving Flair is more recent. I'm just surprised. Like, I guess that's the part where I'm like, huh? It's, it's just interesting that it hasn't like the the the. It's thought more inside baseball for fun. Thought has not fully turned. Yeah, uh, with the, yes, the whole Hogan tape for sure. But like, it's just interesting that thought hasn't fully turned around on Flair yet. I think it will eventually to some degree. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chris Hero, who has not wrestled in three years since being cut by WWE, returns to action on November seventeenth in San Francisco for West Coast Pro, facing Timothy Thatcher. Hero, who works for AEW as a producer, is a booker at West Coast Pro, which brings in some of the best indie talent in the world. I'm here for a last Chris Hero run in either ROH or AEW, please. Can I get that? I love Chris Hero. I do. He's great. He's big. I and, missed uh, him Thatcher in WWE. He was yes. fun. He was fun. Hey, we but, fired we fired uh, Matt Riddle. Let's bring in Tim Thatcher. Let's bring him his buddy to, to team with RKO if we need to. No, uh, uh, bring him in to fight with Dragonoff. You kidding me? Oh, that yes. I will take that. I will take him and Gunther since they were both in Imperium on the Indies. Oh, uh, yeah, no, or, uh, the, is it was it Imperium on the Indies or was it Wrestle something? I, I can't remember the name. Well, and then so. like Drew Gulak and Thatcher were a great tag team, and Thatcher Gulak and uh, Kid Regal would be awesome. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, oh yeah, bring Thatcher back. Sure. There's a lot of really good things you could do with Tim Thatcher still at WWE. I, I thought, yes, he was. His run in WWE vastly surpassed my expectations. Of oh, him. yes. I just, I just saw so many other sides to this guy where I was like, huh. Dull as dishwasher, uh, d- dishwater on the indies. I, I just could not get into him. He, he had gave a great, him the charisma injection. Yeah, he, he had a great mean face, and that was about it. And, and then WWE gives him charisma, and you're just like, he's getting over. What in the – okay, cool. You know, I, I – I don't mind people making more money and being able to stay longer because they're getting a career. I'm good with that. I it's weird. It's like I I, I don't know. Call me crazy. I I do want people to succeed. And yes, I like, people I, think I like, they don't. I, I don't. Understand I like that. seeing the success. Like, but you know, it's got to be like real success. Thatcher was. Uh, I mean, he got cut, but that was for stupid reasons. Like, he was an unmitigated success story yes. to me in WWE. I agree. If you, if you improve your station and you were on the indies or something. That's a success story to me. I, I, you know, it beats like having to go back to the Indies cooler than you were when you left. Like right now, I think if Ricochet got cut for any reason, I think he'd be colder than he was when he went to WWE because that was, uh, you know, he was the hottest free agent on the Indies at the time. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, Maybe the Vince change helps him some. 
we didn't get to this because uh, we because uh, uh, Warren and I recorded on Thursday, but announced last Friday on SmackDown your new SmackDown general manager, Nick Aldis, who nobody on WWE knew because he's never been on WWE television before. Dude, he's only he's not even forty yet. That kills me. That is in ring. It's much like Michael Hayes because Michael Hayes went over in his late thirties too, but he looked fifty. Aldis still looks great. You know, he, he he can do the WWE promo style, which I like. I do wonder if someday he and Adam Pierce will be having a match in WWE. I do. <laughs> but uh, what do you think of him as an on-screen character as opposed to, say, a wrestler? Let's see how long they decide to keep that going. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's kind Triple of H I... now, not, not Vince. Yeah, so. right. I, and... It just it seems weird. He he has such a no pun intended pedigree, uh, you know, as like the NWA champion stuff. He's obviously someone who could be a very capable mid card title holder for them. Yeah, uh, yeah, and just a solid factional leader. Uh, you could even have him do something like I don't know, upset Gunther. You know, like like that would be that would be a really interesting like way of uh, getting the belt off of Gunther. Oh no, but you he, gotta you gotta let Ilya beat Gunther that 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 to me is is the biggest no-brainer or Carmelo one of those two have to come somebody from NXT has to come in and beat Gunther for the Intercontinental title and that will make him on right. the main roster that would, that would be an, that's certainly one way of doing it I think that's a more chalk way of doing it uh if you want to turn Gunther though screwing him out of the inter- Intercontinental title at the end of this big run actually positions him as like a baby face which would be interesting going into a Roman Reigns feud I would howl if it was Giovanni Vinci <laughs> because that story, I, why would you ever break up Imperium? I just don't get it, but uh, it looks like it's coming. Uh, and also uh, just one last uh, personnel note, Brock Anderson has officially been removed from the roster of AEW. Looks like he's no longer with the company. I would howl if NXT picked him up and teamed it with, with junior Pillman. Arn could make a call to Regal and get him signed, possibly though. I I wouldn't hate him being paired with Junior Pillman. I just hate that Junior Pillman's name is like Aldous Carl. King or whatever it is. Lexus. Lexus King. King. Lexus. Oh I, oh, I had Nick Aldous on the brain. My fault. Yeah. Yeah. Lexus no. No. King. Lexus King. Uh, I believe Impreza King was taken. It is. <laughs> Toyota King, yeah, Toyota um, King, yeah. The the uh, the Ford version of him. King, <laughs> Ford King. Well, no, that's that's definitely an NXT name. That is a, that is totally. An it, it, it is such a, it is such a Curtis Axel move. The son of Mister Perfect, Kurt Hennig, Curtis Axel. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, that's 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 all. I, I mean, I liked the promo overall. It seems like they want to debut him in a meaningful way. I just, the name is so stupid. I agree. I agree. Uh, but I think they just don't want, I mean, why would you not want to use the Pillman legacy? That's what I don't get. And uh, Unless they think it's toxic in some way. I don't, I just don't know why. And I mean, it, it's just weird. Like, especially with the promo being so centered around, I'm Brian Pillman's kid. But my name has absolutely nothing to do with any of that. Like, I'm going to absolutely die 
if they decide to sign Shane McMahon's kid, who's now a football player to Indiana University, and they don't make him a McMahon. <laughs> but he could be no, no. I, I have, I have his name. His oh, do name, you? yes. His name could be GM Shane. <laughs> his last name would have to be Shane. Shane, yeah, yeah. yeah like, but yeah. And his first name's a car name. GM Vincent Shane. No, no, GM. Yeah, uh, like, like, yeah, yeah, GM? Like, like, yeah, yeah, like you know, Ford. We've already used. Oh, you want to do, go back to the car thing? No, okay. we go. You go car, and then a short last name that like is either royalty based or vaguely invokes something. Okay. Yeah, so he could be GM Vincent. GM Vincent, yes. Yeah. Shane Vincent. That's not a car. And I'll do it for the news portion of our show. Now to the lazy river of professional wrestling. And there's a lot to do since we can go all the way from last Friday to this Saturday, if you want to. Um, although the Saturday shows haven't gone, you can talk about them if you want. Whatever we watched, whatever's on our mind, whatever's out there, we can talk about here. How was Tramfest, by the way? I forgot to t- ask about that top of the show. Dude, um, honestly, like an unbelievable success. So we're going to be doing Tramfest 2 next year already. Electric uh, Boogaloo? Yes. Yeah, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> I, or, or the Bloodening. I haven't decided. What, the Quickening, like, yes. I, yeah, I haven't decided what the colon is there. Yeah. But, Who knew uh, that early 20th century mass transit would be so much fun? Mid to late 20th century mass transit, <laughs> sir. Uh, a, a technological marvel in the Western Hemisphere, sir. Yes. yes. And not a gondola. It, I, if, if I hear anyone else use the G word, uh, there, there will be... He could uh, be gondola, Shane, if you want to. No. <laughs> he, could be, he could be gondola, Shane. That's fine. But, like, that, that, that'll all out. But, like, don't call my tram a gondola. Anyways, no, uh, it, it went great. Uh, the band from Texas came in. Uh, we had, you know, other acts, uh, Rudy boy, Jaramillo came in and played uh, a set at, at Tramfest. I played a bunch. I probably over that 10 days worked upwards of 80 hours. Like I was just at the tram, like in perpetuity from like 9am to six or seven at night. Uh, it was a grind. We made good money. We made good tips. We got booked at the uh, County line barbecue down the street, uh, just like an on the fly booking. And uh made over $700 at that show in two hours, which was nuts. Uh, so no, it was, it was a very, very good uh, response to Tramfest 1. Uh, and now that I have a full year to plan for Tramfest 2, like I have like, uh, I have a thing going. Uh, the, the, the tram, you know, the tram was very, very supportive of everything and I was taken good care of and yeah, it was awesome. Okay, was back to the graphs, your turn. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, I guess, I guess let's start let's start on NXT. Like, all right. I, um, I, you know, I, I just decided to like, you know, pick up on, I've, I watched everything and kind of just had it on until it, it stopped playing because I fell asleep or I got bored of it. Um, I, if you look at NXT, as you were saying earlier, I was surprised at how many women's matches there were on this week's show. And like, they were not irrelevant, like women's matches. Like they were all, actually you know meaningful or, or yeah, vignettes meaningful. for that matter like you had the the locker room thing with stratton and uh fallon henley and you had the uh lyra valkyria build for the becky lynch match next week and yes of course you have things like ariana grace versus brinley reese which is not necessarily 
lighting the world on fire. Ariana Grace's character sort of needs work. Uh, I, I, I'll, I'll say this though. I like Ariana Grace because personal, personality goes a long way with me in terms of that. And also, uh, she's Santino's kid, by the way. Nice. Yeah. No, the personality goes a long way. They need to find a better character for her. And I think yes. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that that's going to be the big thing. Um, and so like, that was not, of course, like a banger match. And Brittany and- Reese, unfortunately, uh, last second fill in for, uh, Jakara Jackson of the metaphor. Cause she broke a, uh, she, she broke her arm or a bone in her arm or something of that effect. And I think increasingly, as you look at the bracket there, the, the end game here is Lola Vice is going to win this tourney. Uh, Against Danny, is it Danny Palmer or Danny Jordan in the mix? Yeah, I think it's, uh, I thought it was, uh, what's, yeah, the, yeah, it's just the young, the, small. The gymnast. Gymnast, um, yeah. I think Vice is winning. Okay. No, that's yeah. that's fair enough. Uh, yeah, on NXT, I, 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 I enjoyed that tag team, uh, Battle Royal. Thank wasn't bad. Yeah. Wasn't, yeah, well, it, I mean, you know, uh, and I don't normally love those, but like, I thought it was fine. I thought the Garzas looked good as as the bad guys. I liked that the Creeds came back and, uh, and uh, got their revenge. And uh, that crowd loves them some chase you. And (laughs) the visual of Thea Hale and and JC Jane as, as semi-reluctant cheerleaders makes me laugh. But uh, oh, that's the other thing is Duke Hudson. And this is something Alvarez has pointed out. And I went back and watched the match. And he's right on this. Duke Hudson has an amazing baby face comeback going for him. It's more personality than he shows when the cameras are on him, but it's strong. And I wish he'd, uh, I wish someone would take him aside and be able to coach him as a likable person off screen. So I could get into that baby face comeback when he's actually in the ring type of a thing. Yeah. I, it would be good if they could kind of hone in on what is the story of chase you right now, because like, there's like three different things going on that they don't really fully commit to, uh, is Andre like, you know, you have the, uh, JC Jane and Thea Hale thing where it's like, she's getting turned to the dark side, but then like, it's now more like JC Jane's getting turned to the light side or like, yeah, yeah. yeah, It's like weird. And then, Duke Hudson's always been completely disingenuous. And so it's like weird when he's actually a legitimate baby face because he's always disingenuous in all of these scenes. You and know, then right you have down- Chase, you be, or then you have uh, Andre Chase being doting father, but also prone to uh, Tourette's when he gets angry kind of a thing. It, it, it's the weird, uh, it's, it's the weird dichotomy of being calm, cool, and collected when he's caring about Thea but then going off on, you know, cussing rants when somebody in his classroom doesn't know an answer or something. And that would be fine if he wasn't oblivious, too. And that's a key feature of Andre Chase's character to date as well. Is it like there's like an obliviousness that he just is unable to read things? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, they need to pick a lane with Chase U. Because the fan support is obviously there. So if they did that, then you'd have like a very strong story with with full kind of narrative support. I'm going to head over to AEW land uh, because we've been a bit remiss in talking about them so far on the show. I'm going to say one good thing and one bad and one uh, criticism. I won't say it's a bad thing, but uh, it's something that definitely needs work. Good. Great. I love that Kyle Fletcher, Kenny Omega match. 
I, I Kenny or Kyle Fletcher as a singles guy. Uh, he had he had a great promo with with Don Callis, and yes, I I too enjoy Don Callis being all in on Kyle Fletcher until he loses, and then absolutely turning on him. <laughs> yeah, oh, it, it, that that was it, it, the hard disingenuous one eighty on Fletcher. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I I I thought that was fine. Um, yeah, I thought that was, yeah, and, and I would be and here. Fletcher was good too. I would be here for a long term. Kyle Fletcher continually tries to get into the Don Callis family. And then eventually on the painting, he's the Judas of the group. I would love for that to be long because I think he, if if they gave him, if they gave him a kind of a separate gimmick while we wait for Mark Davis to come back, like he's a Ronin of some sort. And, and it kind of gives him an edge as a single star. And then you can put back Aussie open. And then eventually, if you want, you can break them up if you need to. But I think Kyle Fletcher has a lot to be a single star. And, and that match. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. That match was a hoot and a holler. Uh, I I really enjoyed that a lot, especially for the offense was all hard hitting. And on a night of, let's say they were trying hard on the promo side and not always succeeding. And this is where I go into my point number two. Adam Copeland on collision the previous week, that tete-a-tete with Ricky Starks, where he calls him a vanilla midget and basically stole his entire gimmick from the rock. Do we understand that the point of promos is to build up the fight, not to tear down the guy that you're looking to feud with necessarily in a meta way, no less. Yes. This This is the recurring problem with a lot of, AEW build promos is that so often their idea of getting heat is get really meta, like really talk about the real stuff that's going on. Yes. Oh, they're pu- shooting. You're pushing 22 was undeserved and you didn't do anything with it. That is not actually <laughs> intriguing for a feud in 23. No, no. no. It, 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 it's odd because Copeland should know better because they absolutely cut Billy Gunn off at the knees in WWE when they said, I'm not going to Billy Gunn this opportunity after winning King of the Ring. I, I, yeah, it's, it was one of those. And then the, uh, the, the, the interview with Renee, which to me, the big crime in that, in addition to, to edge ba- or not edge to Adam Copeland, basically saying he he's responsible for Christian's entire career was this didn't need to be a sit down. This this needed to be him talking into a microphone, looking in the camera going, here's why I came to AEW. I came to tag with Christian Cage. And, you know, and, you know, I'm here for him. 
but I don't trust him right now, et cetera, et cetera. I, I understand we're doing the lore thing now and, and the lore of Christian, the lore of Adam Copeland is he's kind of a jerk about giving Christian Gage his entire career. And I was just like, this is a bit of a turnoff. Somebody needed to, there needed to be some notes on this after the first take. And we need to figure out some things right now to me. I don't know. What did you think of the promo? I, it, it makes not a ton of sense to reintroduce edge in an oppositional position to Christian. Uh, I, I don't, they're stronger together in my opinion. And so it's, it's just hard to get my, get into what the end game is for this Adam Copeland character. So like, I'm going to want to rescue Christian, but that Christian's put so much like legwork into turning Nick Wayne and Luchasaurus and stuff that there's no clear path to how slash why that would happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, they're going to turn on you. Wait, <laughs> we've seen no proof of that whatsoever. It's like, right. <laughs> And it would be way too early to do that. I don't, I mean, what edge freeze Luchasaurus and then Luchasaurus is edges pet as a baby face. Now he becomes edges and it's Adam Copeland and edges <laughs> Although it, it, what would make sense is, is, is Copeland calling out Christian for turning on Jack Perry and turning on and, 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 and that entire feud type of thing. Bang on if, uh, Depending on if young Mr. Perry is coming back or not. Saw him this week at the gym. So goes to my gym. That was very odd. And he was wearing an AEW backpack. So he's still repping the brand. Um, but yeah, no, that makes no sense. Christian Cage is the one who turns on everybody else. I don't think they're going to have sympathy for Christian if they turn on him because he's such a jerk. I don't get this at all. The redemption story isn't there for him just yet. I mean, right. And like, even if there was sympathy, it would be like, after he got his comeuppance, everyone's like, well, we like you. You're just a total jerk here. But like, you'd have to have comeuppance and penance before anyone yes. would be willing to get back onto the Christian bandwagon, so to say. Your turn, sir. Um, Let's see. Uh, Emmy Sakura and Hikaru Shida <laughs> had a really fun match. <laughs> That was that. That they was. They did a, not get a lot of time, but boy, they packed a lot of stuff in there. And I, right? yeah. Yeah, no, I, that was that was a really pleasant surprise. I I dug that. I dug that a lot. Actually. Emmy Sucker is is the is the underrated MVP of the AEW women's roster. No disrespect to Athena, who I I view more as a Ring of Honor talent right now. But man, <laughs> she just can I get her in like a gimmick with Nyla Rose or? Who was the other person I was singing that she could be in a tag team with and just destroy people? And then we'd have a tag division. There's a couple of women like, oh, Athena was the one I was singing of. Yeah, let's 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 get Amy Sakura something to do here. Uh in the meantime, while we're playing around with sky blue and her turning to the dark side and whatnot. Uh, um, but yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I really liked this match a lot. Yeah. No, I I I found that to be very, very entertaining. Take a second one if you want, because that one was short. Yeah, no, I know. I guess I'll I'll bring I'll go to another short one then. Just Wardlow versus Ryan Nemeth. We've <laughs> seen we've seen this before. How is this different? What is different this time? Why do I care this time? I've seen this movie. It actually 
goes into something positive, I'm going to say. So I'll, I'll put that. Like, I hate, I didn't like the Tony Schiavone interview. They could have just had, they could have just had Wardlow walk off and point to the wristband that says MJF. And that would be all you needed. But they're doing something with MJF here. And I think it's a positive uh, more than a negative for now in that they're kind of positioning him as 1985 Ric Flair. Whereas he can he can pivot between being a babyface and being a heel, depending on whether or not uh, the situation calls for it. Like he can fight Dusty Rhodes, or he can fight the evil Russian Nikita Koloff, and still be considered credible as either. So now we're getting three or four different people all shooting for MJF at the same time. We have Samoa Joe, we have Wardlow, Maybe Adam Cole's there in the ring, in, in, waiting in the wings. We have Kenny Omega now because we had that walk on where you know thirteen days, bitch, and, you know that kind of thing. Um, so so we have about five or six different contenders for the world title, and I think that's overall a good thing for MJF and for AEW. Yeah, and I guess you can move to a really interesting multi man event where all these guys go up against each other. Oh, I hope not. I'd I'd much rather have the one on ones here than, than the multi thing because they, they never build the multis good because they, they won't build say why does Joe hate Wardlow right now although they could bring up like the TNT title stuff right yeah no to. I mean I, I think you know I, I'm already laughing as I'm formulating this sentence given <laughs> a coherent booking plan for eight weeks <laughs> oh stop stop oh, no. Chris I, I, I denounce and reject myself already because like AEW does run these longer cycles, but if they actually thought this out halfway decent, that's a really solid television main event angle with these six guys all angling for a shot at MJF. And you have some sort of, I don't know, maybe like even like a G1 style thing where so you get your one-on-one matches, but they're all in a bracket. Um, potentially it could be really interesting to see Wardlow dominate that bracket going into that. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Hoss guys over at over on Raw, I really enjoyed Bronson Reed versus Gunther. Yep, that yeah, another was, another solid match. That was a Hoss fight, and it was evil guy versus mean guy. That's what, and those are the types of odd bookings that you'd think you'd get occasionally in professional wrestling, but because of heel face dynamic, a lot of times that people try to avoid it because it's like, well, who are the who's the crowd going to cheer for in this type of a thing? But it's obvious Gunther is is way over with the crowd for being dominant because crowds also like excellence. This is this is why sports teams that go on multi-year championship runs get a lot of fans, guys, because people like winners. And Gunther has been portrayed as a winner all this time. But uh, those two had sneaky good chemistry. I thought I, I just it, it kind of amazed me. And and Bronson Reed doing some of his power stuff, even though he's a shorter guy on Gunther looked very impressive to me. I I agree. I I thought Bronson Reed was a really serviceable, like kind of like Tomohiro Ishii sort of like small underdog. Yeah. yeah, Small underdog. But not as small as Tomohiro Ishii. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Like the heel who, who is an underdog because he's smaller and he has to fight harder, and so you find yourself rooting for that undersized heel against the bigger heel. Uh, I I enjoyed this. I thought this was very solid as well. 
a couple of quick hits if you don't mind. Uh, Ricochet is it. Ricochet is still insane. Uh, <laughs> that jump off of the uh, off of the uh, was it the top of the um, the cover of the stairs there off of the railing thing onto the people on 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 Raw. It's it's still look. I know Sting does it all the time onto multi different people. I know New Jack used to do it. When you're doing flips off of it onto different people and landing still correctly and not hurting yourself, it's still very impressive. And we we we've gotten into this habit of making the spectacular mundane because we see it week after week after week. And in that vein, I will also put over on uh Rampage last night the the debut. Who knows if they're coming back because of the politics between AAA and CMLL, but uh, Mystico versus Rocky Romero, two out of three matches. Mystico looked fantastic. The former, so some of you gringos will know him as Sin Cara in WWE, but uh, no, he, he decided he put on his working boots and he came out there and, and, and put on a show for the people. I don't, you know, if, if it seems to me what Tony Khan wants to be is he wants to be, he wants to do the parlays, of politics between various different promotions. Like he wants to be the bridge between various Japanese promotions to work together to give American fans exposure to all these different things. I don't think it's going to work necessarily. I still think AAA and CMLL will never be able to live together, but if he can go, okay, I'll put my AAA people on dynamite. I'll put the CMLL people on rampage and maybe be able to port them over to uh, uh, collision, or maybe I bring all the AAA people from Collision over to Dynamite, or vice versa, or whatnot, and I can get this to work. And then maybe I put all the New Japan people on Dynamite, and then I take people from, say, NOAA, even though they have a working relationship there, or you know, Dragon Gate USA, and I put them all on Collision, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I can serve all masters here. I still think the road to going from number two to number one is building a star with a certain charismatic presence. But if they're going to go the work rate route, this isn't the worst strategy in the world. I mean, it's a solid strategy for the work rate route. I just, I'm kind of with you. I'm unconvinced that the work rate route is what they, that's not to me, the missing piece of the puzzle. No, AEW. Like, uh, there's, a, it, there's a, there's a battle of the belts tonight and I have literally no interest in it. Because it just kind of popped up, and it's like, okay, so basically, I'm getting three hours of wrestling on a Saturday. And well, you and know that... what? I'm gonna I'm gonna modulate this uh, a little bit. Uh, okay. There should be two tracks on AEW. Like, if I was in charge of AEW all of a sudden, and I actually had like booking control, we would keep both these strategies going, but how they be deployed would be done in a very different way. You bring in all the international talent and stuff, and that's what Rampage is all about now um and and collision um that's your international show and dynamite is a coherent two-hour program that is about pushing the storylines so you have the storyline show it's the main flagship show and then you still have these international satellite pieces that amounts to four hours and i think that sort of hits people who want a W, I don't want to see WWE like, but like a story driven wrestling show, American style wrestling. They want an American style wrestling, wrestling show, show with yeah. angles and, and, and build and heat 
and things of that nature. No, I, Tony Khan spoke about wanting to kind of like bring back some of that Nitro 96 sort of energy or whatever. And that's you know, some of those good Bischoff era shows had that going on throughout the whole program. That's kind of the energy I think Dynamite should be. And then if you want to keep doing the international outreach, you know, make try to make the International Wrestling Federation or whatever it is that you're trying to do, you have Collision and you have Rampage. I'm going to push back, though, because I think they're on. They're trying to kind of do that because, I mean, we had the Nick Wayne thing. We had the Adam Copeland thing. We had the uh, we had the Kenny Omega MJF thing. We had the MJ, we had MJF getting built for Wardlow. They're doing all that. But I think they when 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 you tell them something like that, they're going to point to you and go, look at what we're doing for the personalities and point to that Adam Cole vignette, which I'm just like, it's not funny, it's not humorous, and it's not very good. And I, I could do without ever seeing another one of these. Hey, look, close-ups of peanut butter sandwiches and people with their mouths open going, oh my God, and things like that. I just, I don't understand what... <laughs> Once it was fine, but now doing it three weeks in a row and there's no real solid. The problem is also a bit of writing because there's no big straight absurd thing that makes sense in Adam Cole's world to be doing these things. And the absurdity is not being called out nearly enough for me. And that's comedy writer, Jeff, getting a little bit in the weeds for you. Well, no, I'm but it's just not good. No, it's not because like Adam Cole does at some point need to see through the neck injury. Yes. <laughs> Unless they're all in on it and then it becomes womp womp category. Right. If they're if they're all if 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 Cole is included with the kingdom as part of MJF's group of small guys who beat up Jay White <laughs> then then the entire point of these vignettes was stupid. There right. was no point to him. No, that that becomes like the Dallas season where he wakes up the next uh, next season and it was a dream all. It was along. a dream all along. Yes. Yeah. No. It, it it's it's just wasted time. Uh, so. Yeah. I didn't include Jay White on that list of people that are fighting MJF, and that's kind of unfortunate because this is the next pay per view thing. What are you thinking of of the Bullet Club Gold? Man, they are. They are really committed to the Bullet Club Gold. Uh, personally, I would have had Platinum Max Caster win that. Uh, I mean, I, I I knew where they were going with Juice Robinson, but I actually think Max Caster against MJF for the 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 ring is interesting. Oh, you're liking the teenage uh, unrequited love date thing with him, or just just it's interesting. No, I, 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 I like the idea of him beating MJF for the ring. Oh, you th- oh they never put him over. I know. Um, okay. But, but I, I kind of like the idea of him challenging MJF for the ring. I, I, I'm not going to lie. Uh, and Juice Robinson, I mean, I don't – the problem with Juice, right, as the selection here is that no one really thinks he's going to win it. And he shouldn't. Like, I mean, if you don't like the idea of Axe Caster winning it, I don't know why you like the idea of, of Juice Robinson winning it. And 
I like I mean, the idea of Juice Robinson winning it. I got to be uh, honest with you. Really? Yes. Uh, I mean, I, I think it would be Jay White. Jay White, first we win the ring, and then we win the belt. And obviously he comes up short on the belt, but he does actually take a chip out of MJF along the way. Although I'm also for eventually breaking off Juice Robinson off of this group because he is such a maniac. And he is <laughs> he's getting over by being an absolute menace <laughs> as seconding him because you can hear him the entire time during just screaming random things during the match and stuff like that. But I like the idea. Uh, I mean, if you're going to build, cause I think Jay White's been a bit weak on his promos. Oh yeah. No, I mean, Jay White's very, been very much a victim of the meta, the meta promo, right? But, ha- like, but if, but if we're going to put bullet club gold, is not just a bunch of geeks fighting MJF, you know, a bunch of B villains fighting MJF. Then they actually do have to kind of take away everything that MJF has. And I like the idea of, okay, Jay White stole the belt. And now Juice Robinson's going to steal the ring of which he's won for the last four years. Okay, now Bullet Club Gold's important type of a thing. I'm not saying they, they should go with that necessarily. I'm just saying I like the idea of it. I like the idea of, okay, it's not just the gun club being you know uh <laughs> being like kind of uh billy guns dorky kids who 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 don't ever win and got that you know ceremonial title reign thing it's like no these guys can win things they're they're wacky and they're goofy but when they put their mind to it they can be a destructive force and i kind of like that okay they've taken away the title they're going to take away the ring maybe you know don't want to necessarily take away the scarf or anything like that, but they can take away things from MJF. And now MJF, instead of doing the you know, talentless taint, uh, <laughs> you're, you're as, you know, you're as uh popular tofu. as tofu type crap. Okay. Now he actually has to take this seriously as a threat to beating him for everything he loves type of a thing. I'm just not there with the Bullet Club okay. Gold. I mean, you know, it gets back to your point of rattling off all these people who are contending for MJF's belt and forgetting about Jay White. Clearly something's <laughs> missing. It's actually true. Look, Samoa Joe is the most over, is the guy that I look at and go, that's pro wrestling, that's a champion, that's who I want. And then when you rattled off that list of people and I'm thinking about all of their individual angles with MJF, there's always chairs missing in each one of them, whether it's Joe not being angry that he got choked out, like that MJF yes. didn't even really win. The fact that Jay White just doesn't feel like a credible threat to beat MJF for the title uh, and that he has not really gotten himself over uh, th- that we really need to have the entirety of bullet club gold to mold into somewhat of a threat to MJF. And even then we're still doing work on that front. Omega what- is a, is a guy who it's like, you can do the whole, I'm a better worker than you, but that makes for a death of a feud type of thing. And he's on Wardlow, a losing streak. And he's on a losing streak right he's now. He's on a losing streak right now. Uh, and so breaking the losing streak, I mean, to get him going for a title uh, run would mean breaking the losing streak. And I, don't, I just don't know how like that. The Cala story is far more interesting for him than any world title shot right now. I, I think so. And then you have Wardlow, who's back again, <laughs> doing the same thing as it ever was. And so, like to me, the issue goes back to everything with MJF is super unfocused. It sort of lo- it works from you know, a hundred feet away or 50 feet away. And then as you get like 30, 20, 10 feet in, then you start going, Oh wait, not everything's in order here. 
Okay, final final one from Dynamite because it it was something that came up and it's something I'm being turned on because I didn't like it at first, but the more I'm listening to it and listening to people who like it, it's starting to make me think I'm wrong on not liking it at first. The uh the Hobbs origin story being that he wanted to beat up Chris Jericho because he was front row with his grandmother at a at a nitro or or a pay-per-view i forget what event it was and and jericho being playing a heel was mean to them because the first time i heard that i go okay that makes no sense because jericho and hobbs have been in the same company now for four years and hobbs has never gone after jericho for that but now he does but it's like no jeff he was waiting for his opportunity and then he got his opportunity i'm like okay but also it's one of those things where it's like I don't want my villain origin stories to be the villain has a point. You know, I, we we have a lot of that now. We have a lot of that. Yeah, Chris Jericho was a jerk, so he became yeah, a Yeah, no, I, 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 did, I didn't like this, right? Like, it's the 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 premise. Yeah, I, like, I guess it's like Hobbs didn't understand that wrestling is fake, which is... <laughs> <laughs> that that meta thing honestly really hurts like a professional wrestling character didn't understand that wrestling is fake because it isn't because it's real but then like that that really i, I was watching this like oh oh i can't think about that but i liked the promo and i liked the delivery i just it was the I story the that i kind of went the mm. story's bad uh here's an important detail that I think has been forgotten. Chris Jericho is the first AEW champion. So like Hobbs should have been unbelievably motivated and perhaps the most motivated guy in the company early on to tear to him the, down. To, if to that's tear the him story, down. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Like, like that's the story. He, this man not only has, not only is the impetus for him joining or getting into wrestling in the first place, uh, the person he hates most in the business, this man also has the gold. So like, why didn't he get go for the title back then? I did there's just a lot of steps missing here. Yeah, no, that, that, yeah, they, they skipped a lot of the origin to go, Oh, we found this thing. Let's retcon it. That Hobbs has always hated Chris Jericho and he's kept it a secret. Like, Oh, that, that's a pretty big part. <laughs> right. And he was waiting for his moment. And like, why was this the golden opportunity? And like, why did he need Don Cal? Why couldn't he have done this with team Taz? There's just some QT different... Marshall or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Or he tried to explain the plan to QT and QT's like, I don't like it. We're not doing that. And that's why he left the faction. Harley Cameron told him that it was a bad idea. And she was showing a lot of cleavage at the time. So it was like, yeah, okay, I'll take that as a hint. And I wanted to do I wanted to do it back when I was with Team Taz, but Starks was like, nah, let's not do that. And then like Taz was like, okay, yeah, let's not do that. And Hook didn't like it either. So we didn't do it. But I wanted to do it, but we didn't do it. I hate this guy. I hate this guy. I hate this uh, guy. Uh, anything else from you? Um. Okay. Uh. I guess we haven't done Raw yet, right? Well, I, I did. Uh. I did. I did Bronson and Gunther. That's and true. I did, and I did Ricochet. But the I, Judgment, I the Judgment it, Day winning the tag team titles back did. You know, I was just like, well, why did they take them off on the paper? Too right soon, now? right? I, I, yeah, no, I thought I I agreed that was too soon. Uh, that was a weak move, uh, in my opinion. You have. You have a story going with Jey Uso and Cody Rhodes. And I think, especially with Sami Zayn being worked into it, it's really important for Sami Zayn to be on the outside looking in through all of this. And seeing Jey Uso as the tag team champion, I think was a good and solid piece of characterization that they just sort of 
walked on too soon, in my opinion. Are we going to turn Sammy again? Because they just traded his best friend to SmackDown to complete the J trade, which is somewhat, I mean, I like the moving parts of this angle, including Drew as well, being the guy who's like, how can you just let him apologize and that be okay type of a thing? I, I do like him holding a grudge. But at the same time, it's just like, I don't see how Sami Zayn can remain friends in story in terms of Kevin Owens is getting traded over to the show to get basically fed to the bloodline at some point. The other two guys are winning the tag team titles from him. And I just think Sami Zayn's far too likable at this point to turn back heel. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't turn him heel. Uh, yeah, and I, he's so likable at this point, I'd forgotten about the heel run. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I that that's how strong he's been as a baby face. It's just a natural baby face. Yep. And I'm with you. I actually think, uh, especially now with McMahon gone, the baby face angle on Raw is very earned and interesting between Sami Zayn, Cody Rhodes, and Jey Uso. These three guys have to learn how to work together, and they have very understandable reasons for not being able to fully click and trust one another. Uh, well, you know what's that's going to work And then for. Drew McIntyre is going to be the perfect guy to finally turn on them. And I liked the Seth Rollins interaction with Drew McIntyre. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah I did. I, I thought that was really good. Because uh, um, I forgot his name all of a sudden. Rollins. How do I forget Seth Rollins' name? But anyways, Seth Rollins is like almost on his own island at this point, you know, he's not really, I mean, he's the most unlikable baby face or the most annoying heel. I don't know what she is from time to time. And he's raiding, you know, Becky's closet. <laughs> no, but, it's a, it's a strange character, but it also like what he's starting to fight is it allows him to have these really interesting ways of cutting in on people. Yes. It, it's, it's almost the equivalent of I'm on nobody's team. And I'm going to prove to you I'm on nobody's team because every time I have an interaction with somebody, I'm just going to stick the knife in just a little bit and see what happens type of a thing. Yeah. Uh, Raw has surprised me a little bit with the promo work. And I think all these, and I think all these guys are going to be on a, on a war games team, to be honest with you. Uh, Right. And and, I mean, especially now that Vince is not going to be there and booking stuff. It's, Really interesting to think about what the build to war games potentially is with Sammy, Cody, Jay Uso, Drew McIntyre. And maybe uh, Seth. And maybe Seth. Yeah. Against against yeah. say Judgment Day's men and Solo and Jimmy. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's very yeah, as opposed to having the battle lines drawn. And, of course, you know, Judgment Day and Bloodline have had their own issues, too. It's very... It was the year that uh, the Midnight Express, the Road Warriors, and Dr. Death faced, like, the Freebirds and the Samoan SWAT team type thing for War Games. Won't be that bloody. Won't be that good. But, uh, nevertheless, yeah. it. I, I kind of like the idea of both teams in War Games having some uh, issues going Internal in. dissent, yeah. yeah. I kind of like that. It it makes for a deeper story. Um, But I I have nothing else in my notes. (laughs) I don't either. Um, I watched a bit of a bit of SmackDown. Natalia is always on television when she's on television. What can you say? And 
but it gives it gives some women's story with uh, Tegan at least. That know? is true. That is true. Although I keep waiting for her to turn on Tegan. I'm still waiting for uh, still waiting for damage control to break up. To be honest with you, I I mean I liked the it's so weird. I like Eo Sky a lot, but she has not been a champion. She has been a second banana to Bailey, and I love me some Bailey. Get me wrong, and she's been second banana. Why is Charlotte continuing to get title matches? <laughs> That's the other thing is uh, that, that match a little. Clunky, no, Charlotte though. has really been subtraction by addition with yes. this story. And and she was just a through line to get Bianca back. Yeah, yeah. I she's she's really hurt this story. And do, do you like the Street Profits as heels? I'm jury's still out on that. I, I like they needed to once they finally flesh out the Bobby Lashley thing a little bit more. I, I'll have more of a verdict on it. I don't hate it yet. They need a different move set, is what they need. I agree on that. Both of them. Uh, yes. In, in particular, like Ford, maybe he needs like learn submissions or something like that. You know, like Ford needs to have a signature submission. You know what he needs? He needs to do a guillotine leg drop. Or something. He needs to do something from the top rope that will use his aerial skills to quote unquote hurt somebody. Probably you know, not the guillotine leg drop just because of the wear and tear, but yeah, yeah. But yeah. I mean, a move not like that, you. you know, a double team move where they're double teaming each or double teaming a guy and they're trying to put him out type of a thing versus they're just trying to do a double team move that looks good type of a thing. Yeah. Which you do as a baby face. Yeah. The big flash, the flashy splash is. Not really. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the frog splash up top, that's a complete babyface move. Yeah, you know, complete babyface move. Yeah. Yeah. That needs to go. Um I'm trying to think is is there anything else? Uh no, WWE's not amazing right now, but it's kind of sneaky watchable when I pop it on. Yes, they they have a lot of uh, I said this last week and uh the the thing about their angles is their big angles. They have a lot of moving parts to them, which make it very, very interesting. Like the judgment day being the top heels on a team and every member of the judgment day, having a issue with another member of the judgment day. And also with JD McDonough and then Rhea's trying to keep it all together. And then you have priest and, and Finn having a bit of an issue. Yeah. You know, Dominic's a bit of a screw up. And then on the other side, we, we describe the stuff with the baby face people over there. It makes for you can do things and not have to do big things, but you can do building blocks of things to then get to the big thing. And that's what they've kind of been doing well from week to week across the brands. And look, I'm not going to shade AEW because they're trying things. They are. They, they, they are trying to get these guys more over with more than just good work rate matches. It hasn't all hit. It hasn't all hit. And what I can say is that WWE from some of their newer, younger talent, your Carmelo Hayes and Braun breakers in one class, all the way down to your Lola vices uh, in, in, you know, kind of the class behind that um, up to, you know, elevating the judgment day from goofus act to credible main event faction. Yes. They, They've been doing some good work this year. Ilya Dragunov. Ilya Dragunov, uh, yeah. I mean, just outstanding. And and now, boy, is the runway effing cleared for him to just continue to dominate. 
Yeah, so I mean, yeah. look, I know we're in in voices of wrestling territory, and I get that there is a there's a need to drag WWE, but you gotta give them their flowers when they do things well, and you gotta give AEW their flowers when they do things well. And and I think people think I've been guilty of not doing that, being too hard on AEW, thinking I'm cheering for WWE, and I'm not cheering for anybody. Trust me. I've just I feel a compulsion to drag both Vince McMahon and Tony Khan because I yes. find them to both be strange, yes. weird, not yes. like hard to defend people, and I find the fans of them to be strange. My motivation or is just my- myopic. I mean, my motivation is just to make pro wrestling better, and and that that's it, and, and make it more watchable. And God knows we don't need three hours of wrestling on one night, but they've decided to do that, so we have to go with with the army we have, not the army we want. Let's let's end it there, Chris. You can follow me on x.com at crapgate13. <laughs> oh, is that you want a porn website now, Jeff? No, but it's funny when I when I go on x.com at, at work, I have a stra- I, I I almost at times accidentally put xvideos.com, which is a porn website. It is <laughs> quality materials on there. And uh and and I'm like, oh, if I do that. I'm totally getting fired and I don't want to get fired because I actually like my job. Uh, you can follow the show at shake them ropes on said same website. We are part of the voices of wrestling podcasting network. Chris is on the gram at Dr. Dr. No, Dr. Underscore. No, I was thinking about if I was going to spell it, if I was going to say it, but yes, D O C T O R underscore N O V. He has been updating with, uh, with trams and trolleys and sky cars. I ride on top of guitars. Them. Yes. Um, and, uh, and he's going to plug his stuff now. Yeah. Uh, if you're interested in guitar lessons, hit me up on Instagram. Uh, I'm now back to my regular schedule following tram fest. Uh, I teach there as we said, uh, music and, uh, footage of me riding on top of tramps can be found on the website, the Instagram website, Dr. Underscore Nove. And that's it, man. I'm going to go and practice guitar, fetch my cats, maybe have some uh, dinner. I'm going to finish my plug. Um, (laughs) If you like what I say for any reason, want to hear me thoroughly deconstruct Dynamite, you can on Wednesdays, about 20 minutes afterwards on the YouTube channel for Fight Game Media, but also patreon.com slash Fight Game Media, five bucks a month, myself and Paul Fontaine. Do the Dynamite show, which is just thoroughly deconstructing Dynamite, which is why I try not to talk about too much on this show sometimes till I make big points. I let Chris do the heavy lifting there. But, yeah, I'm over there uh, on Wednesdays. But, yes, hit up Chris for uh, guitar lessons and give him money. (laughs) I thought you might have a stinger. No. Okay. Hi, I'm Case Lowe, co-host of the Open the Voice Gate podcast. The one question I'm constantly asked when it comes to Dragon Gate is how do I get into the promotion? Well, stop asking and start listening to the Open the Voice Gate podcast released every Wednesday on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. For exclusive news and show reviews, look no further than the leader in Dragon Gate coverage, Open the Voice Gate.